This is the Reading Instruction Show. I'm your host, Dr. Andy Johnson. And in this show, we talk about reading instruction, but we also diverge <clears throat> on a lot of other interesting paths. The topic of this podcast is being and becoming teacher. <clears throat> How does one reach one's full potential as a teacher? This podcast will present some ideas. Now, a teacher's prime directive is to help students learn, or more accurately, to create the conditions where students are able to learn. So what is learning? Learning is the process of acquiring new knowledge and skills, yes, but simply having new knowledge and skills are of little value if they can't be used. Thus, Learning also involves the ability to use new knowledge and skills to solve problems or to create products. However, learning also involves new insight. Thus, learning might also be said to include making new connections between pieces of knowledge or different experiences in order to bring about new understanding, new insight, or change. <clears throat> All well and good, fine, fine, fine. But what is the highest form of teaching? We want to be master teachers, a truly master teacher. <clears throat> well, the highest form of teaching, <clears throat> excuse me, is teaching as transformation. Here, you create the conditions that have the potential to transform the learner on different levels cognitive, emotional, social, intuitive, creative, spiritual, and other. Transformational teaching invites both students and teachers to discover their full potentials as learners and as members of society and as human beings. Yes, teachers, when teaching at your highest, the teacher and the student become one. <clears throat> the ultimate transformational goal is to become more nurturing human beings who are better able to perceive the interconnectedness of all human, plant, and animal life. That's the ultimate goal of transformational teaching, is to help students become more nurturing human beings, to help them be able to better perceive the interconnectedness of all. Now, holistic education is an educational philosophy consistent with the transform transformative view. Here, learning is said to have occurred when experiences, educational experiences, elicit a transformation of consciousness that leads to a greater understanding of and care for the self, others, and your environment. Academic achievement, from this perspective, as seen as, is seen as discovering and developing your unique talents and capabilities to the fullest extent possible. Academic achievement, from the transformational perspective, also involves becoming aware of the multiple dimensions of yourself, of expanding your consciousness. Now, the transformational view of teaching incorporates some of the elements of constructivism, but it adds meaning, consciousness, 
and interconnectedness. Schools operating from this perspective are places of inquiry, where the questions become just as important as the answers. The primary role of teachers here is to enable students to discover and embrace their inner core and develop their interests and unique talents to the fullest extent possible. In other words, self-actualization. Curricula here are a means to an end, not an end in and of itself. Academic achievement here is closely linked with self-actualization and is highly individualized. Personalized goals as well as authentic assessment are used to describe learning. Schools and teachers here are held accountable by assessing students and teachers' movement towards personalized goals, personalized goals and by examining the extent to which students are engaged in meaningful learning experiences. Imagine that for a school. Wouldn't you like to send your student to a school like that? Where you have individualized goals? You could sit down with parents and students. Where you have authentic assessment and it's used to describe learning instead of slapping numbers on students. Where schools and teachers are held accountable by assessing students and teachers' movement towards personalized goals and by examining the extent to which your student is engaged in meaningful learning experiences. If you have a child, wouldn't you want your child to go to a school like that? Now let's look at the teacher. Teachers are the most significant variable in determining the quality of education your child receives, how much learning goes on. Basic knowledge and skills, yes, they're important. But effective teachers are also said to have a certain set of dispositions. A disposition is a state of mind that creates an inclination to act or think in certain ways. Now, we can't observe a disposition because it's not a behavior. We can, however, observe behaviors that seem to reflect certain dispositions. And I'm going to share examples of eight dispositions in just a minute. But there is not a standardized set of dispositions with which all agree, and there should not be. Colleges of education that insists on evaluating students based on a set of standardized dispositions are don't want to use the right, the wrong word here, are deluded, are misinformed in schools, same way. How do you rate a disposition? It's a state of mind. The dispositions that you select as being important are determined by your personal teaching philosophy and your values. Now, the dispositions I'm going to describe and that I believe are important are mine. They're aligned with my teaching philosophy, my values, my belief systems. They're mine. You can't have them. To be of any value, you must define and develop and internalize your own set of teaching dispositions. 
then they become of value rather than try to adopt some standardized form of dispositions. Pish posh nonsense. So here are eight that I think are important that align with my philosophy as a holistic educator. <clears throat> Compassion, a disposition, state of mind. One seeks to empathize and to understand. You seek to display unconditional positive regards for students and faculty, and you try to understand the motivation and environmental circumstances of students, parents, and other faculty. Meaning you don't just look at behavior. You try to understand the antecedent. What caused the behavior? Kindness. You strive to interact with students and faculty in a positive, benevolent manner. You try to be friendly and to seek the highest good of others and to nurture yourself, others, and your teaching environment. Courage. You stand up for the rights of students, of yourself, of faculty, of school, and the academic integrity of programs. By the way, tenure is not designed to protect bad teachers. Tenure is designed to protect academic freedom so that you can stand up to a principal, a superintendent, or a dean in a college of education and say, that's not right, that's not best practice. That's not best for our students. We shouldn't do that. <clears throat> That's courage. Right effort. You strive to engage and apply yourself in the act of knowing, planning, teaching, and reflection. The next one is reflection. You think about your actions as a teacher and a person with the intention of personal and professional growth. You try to define a philosophy and act based on your philosophy. Positive attitude. You try to think and speak in a manner that affirms and edifies and nurtures yourself, students, faculty, and the environment. Here's an interesting aside. Think about it. Could you go for a day without thinking or saying anything negative about anybody? Try that and notice the change in your disposition. <laughs> Positive attitude, honesty and integrity. You try to speak the truth and to see, and you try to act in the best interests of students, parents, faculty, and the school or environment. That's honesty and integrity. Integrity means you integrate your values with the way you think and act. And notice how I say try because no one is going to be there all the time. And the last one is professional respect. Here you celebrate differences of opinion and philosophies, and you communicate and you compromise when you need to to find common goals, and you try to find the common good. So which dispositions are the correct ones? They're the ones that have the potential to bring you and your students to a higher place. And the ones that are aligned with your core values, your teaching philosophy, and your belief system. Here's some other traits of effective teachers. 
understanding and accepting oneself, being able to accept criticism and willingness to change, open-mindedness or freedom from prejudice, a desire to learn new things, a well-constructed philosophy of education that's used as the basis of teaching, a multicultural view of learning and human development, knowledge of and connection with the community in which you're teaching. This list could go on and on. It's by no means meant to be exhaustive or exclusive, but these ideas are meant to start the conversation of what is an effective teacher, what teaching dispositions are best for you. So, being and becoming. How does one reach one's full potential as a teacher? More importantly, how do you become a master teacher? Well, first, you have to learn how to be and how to be in relationship with yourself, others, and the community. You ask, who are you? What do you value? What do you believe? What's your passion? What brings you joy? What does this experience mean to you? How do you like to learn? And how do these qualities or questions manifest in your classroom? Yes, a general body of knowledge and set of teaching skills are necessary. However, within the context of master teachers, these are used to discover and develop both your personal repertoire and your professional repertoire. Indeed, these two dimensions, the personal and professional, are seen as one. A master teacher, you cannot separate the human experience from the teaching and learning experience. We are human beings who happen to be teachers and learners, not teachers and learners who happen to be human beings. And what is it that makes us human? Among other things, it's our capacity to think reflectively, to imagine, to dream, create, intuit, emote, and wonder. It makes sense then that these very human dimensions be included in the very human act of teaching and learning. And since these are all qualities that have led to humankind's greatest interventions, it would make sense that they also would be included in our classrooms. Think about it. Our capacity to think reflectively, to imagine, dream, create, intuit, emote, and wonder. How do we get these into our classrooms? Sadly, because they can't be quantified and tested, they'll be left out of most curriculums and lesson plans. And that is a very, very sad statement about education today. Master teachers are able to utilize their authentic selves in all dimensions to create meaningful learning experiences for their students that have the capacity, the potential to transform consciousness Consciousness is that of which you are aware, external and internal. The primary role of a master teacher is to enable students to discover and embrace their central self and develop 
their interests and their unique abilities to the greatest extent possible. Self-actualization. Curricula are a means to this end, not an end in and of itself. Internal states for the master teacher are attended to. Emotions, intuition, consciousness, ideals, values. For the master teacher, academic achievement is closely linked with self-actualization and is highly individualized. Master teachers hold themselves accountable by assessing students and their own movement toward personalized goals and by examining the extent to which students are engaged in meaningful learning experiences. Finally, master teachers hold themselves accountable by examining the degree to which they engage in teaching practices that a body of research, research-based theory, and their own experiences have shown to be effective. Being and becoming a master teacher. Yes, you need to know knowledge and skills. Absolutely, that is necessary, but it is far from sufficient. This has been the Reading Instruction Show. I'm your host, Dr. Andy Johnson.